This is Banks and Commentary. I'm your host, Candace Banks, and welcome to another episode. All right, so today we have my friend Jerome, also known as Black Vito on YouTube and all his socials, and he's going to be talking to us about how he's able to save and invest on a lower income, so making under $30,000. Jerome was also featured on CNBC's Wait For It millennial money so he'll talk a little bit about his episode and some of the things he shared uh during that episode so let's go ahead and get into it i think a lot of people say oh well if you start with your you know if you have a low income you need to try to figure out how to raise your income that's the first thing you need to do that's what a lot of people will tell you i think that that's wrong i think that the fastest way that you can uh, start bettering your financial situation and building wealth with a low income is figure out where you're wasting money. So, hey, Jerome, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How's it going? I am doing good. So we have a fellow Marylander in the house with us today. Um, can you, Jerome, just tell me a little bit more. So I saw you on Millennial Money. And for those of you who aren't familiar millennial money is on cnbc's youtube channel it's like a series that they have but i first saw you on grand stefan's reaction to millennial money um so uh, do you mind just giving everyone a brief introduction of who you are and what you do and your youtube channel and all that good stuff yeah, hello. I am Jerome, but most people, at least online, know me as Black Vito, V-I-T-O, because some people ask me if it's V-E-T-O, so yeah, it's V-I-T-O. So, um, and yeah, as far as millennial money, that's where uh, a lot of people started coming to my channel. Um, I applied for millennial money back in early or late 2019, and um, I thought that they wouldn't want me because I was uh, very low income, as many people saw on that millennial money. But I thought that I was okay with money. So I figured that I had an interesting story that might want to. But worst thing they could say is no or not reply to me at all. Mm -hmm. So um, I just went for it. And as far as me in general, I uh, I do taxes. I do Uber and Lyft. I uh, dropped out of school. I went to college. I know Spanish. I used to know a bunch of other different languages. Um, and I, like, uh, I, I used to really spend a lot of time studying science and now I spend a lot of time studying money. I've always been in love with money. Or, well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> <I've> always, <laughs> rephrase that for the saints. <laughs> yes. I've always been infatuated with a wealth accumulation uh, since I was a little kid. Just, I, it just, I don't know. There's reasons behind it, but it's hard to explain to, in, the, in a simple way. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, thank you for that. And there's one question that I've been wanting to ask before we actually get into like the questions that I have for you. Where did the name Black Vito come from? <laughs> um, well, there's a movie you may or may not have heard of called The Godfather. Oh. And, <laughs> the God yeah. and I was watching the movie. Well, the main, The Godfather in The Godfather 1, um, and also The Godfather 2, ironically enough, is uh, his name is Vito Corleone. And basically, I was just looking at some of his characteristics and he's a fictional character but there was a lot of things that he did and said in the first movie and the second movie that I really really liked mm. and I was just like all right so I want to name my channel after that because at first my channel was named stupid I was named Simeon's Think and uh <laughs> I'm happy that I changed that but um 
So I just felt like a lot of the, if you really sit down and watch that movie, it's not really like an action-packed mafia movie. It's really a very slow and for many people, boring movie. But I just felt like he, a lot of the quotes and a lot of the things he did, especially in the second movie, but also the first one, I just felt like it was like, I like that. Nice. Um, so I just was like, I'm gonna name it after that. And also I've always been kind of somewhat fan of mafia movies and stuff like that. So gotcha. Okay. And no, I didn't want some like scary. clean cut name like oh uh, Henry or I don't know. Sorry Henrys. Any any Henrys out there? I'm 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 just throwing like I just didn't want like a. I kind of wanted something a little bit bad in my name, you know, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit uh, scandalous, a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Thank you for that backstory because I was like, okay, where did this come from? That's interesting. So uh, a little bit, you talked about, you said you were always infatuated with money growing up and wealth accumulation. So what was your relationship with money um, growing up? Me personally, um, just me personally, like I was probably the only person in my family that I recognized that was like this. But ever since I can remember four years old, if you ask my dad, actually, there's a video on my YouTube channel, but my dad explaining this. Uh, but never you ask my mom as well. Like I've, I've always just had this weird thing just to save money. I, did, I didn't know much about investing, but I would just save money, save money, save money. And so growing up, that's kind of what I was known for. If you give me five dollars for Christmas, I'm going to have that same five dollars many, many years from now. Uh, so, and also I still have a little piggy bank that, uh, that my mom gave me back when I was young. I barely even remember getting it. And I just, every time I would get coins, I would just throw them in there and just save it, save it, save it. And uh, one day I cashed it all out and had like a hundred dollars, which mm. was uh, nice. And um, so I, um, I've always just been, I, I think a part of it came from seeing my parents to some degree or another struggle with money. And I just didn't want that type of uh, stress. I just seen the stress like, oh, you know, and then also I saw the control that they have over you when they, you know, when they're paying your bills. I just felt like I, I don't want the stress and I don't want people to have that type of control over me. Mm-hmm. And I've always been that like, even in school, I don't like having people having authority over me, which is part of the reason why I want to be an entrepreneur. Yes, <laughs> that, that's a defining fit trait of an entrepreneur, definitely. Um, so when, when did you start, um, when did your per- personal finance journey start um, then? Well, <clears throat> it's hard to say because depending on how you define, I don't know where it came from, but like even like um, in, in elementary school, I had the concept of always spend less money than you make, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was actually saying it then. I can't remember, but I know by the time I was in middle school, I started always saying like, one should spend less money than they make or like you always should spend less money than you make. So in middle school, I I really started the very basics like of saving money. Like, you know, if you make $100, then you shouldn't spend more than $100 or equal mm-hmm. to $100. Then you always will have money because it's just mathematically impossible to spend less than you make and not have money Mm -hmm. so when I was uh in middle school for sure I was saying it but in elementary school I was doing it Mm. so you could say it started then to some degree and also in order to teach me about money uh one of the things that my mom would do is and some people say it's controversial you know whatever the case may be but I think it was extremely valuable as far as teaching me about money so um, one thing my mom would do is every once in a while because she knew that I had cash 
she would uh, borrow some dollars from me, right? And she would give me this thing that she called interest. I had no idea what it was, but all I knew is that interest meant that when she borrowed money from me, I would receive it. And this is the reason why I think this was so important to teach me about money, even though some people are, you know, are a little bit against it, is because it taught me of earning interest, not instead of paying interest. Most people learn about mm. interest as something that you pay. I've always thought about interest as something that you receive for your money mm-hmm. throughout all of my life until I got student loans like an idiot. I earned it for, <laughs> not, <laughs> not like an idiot. Um, uh, I'll rephrase that. <laughs> uh, until I got uh, student loans without being completely informed of the financial transaction that I was getting myself into. That's a, mm-hmm. uh, That's a very proper, nice way saying put it, yes mm-hmm. um yeah so uh so i would say that definitely was a a beginning point for me but i would say that um when i really started understanding personal finance and like actually you know not just saving money but actually earning money with your money and learning how to really build wealth uh, i started learning that uh i can't remember exactly i think it was uh no i do remember 2017 um, so 2017 is when I started, uh, I was like, you know, I would always save up thousands of thousands of dollars during the summer with my summer job. And then come school year, I would just lose it all because, you know, I, because of college mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, during the winter time, it was hard to get a job for like two months. So it was just like, I would always save a bunch of money to have to spend it on college. And mm-hmm. I would, and that started to frustrate me. And I, 2017, I had 400, I had like, I had very little money. I think I had either between 40 and $400, someone in that range. And I knew it was 40 in that range. It had a four and a zero. <laughs> and basically um, I was like, I'm never going to have less than, it was definitely 40. Cause I remember saying, I'm never going to have less than a hundred dollars in my bank account ever again. And uh, that's when I happened to be in, I moved, I switched colleges from one school up in Frostburg to Towson. And, um, I happened to keep seeing this seeing this book in Spanish that said, um, basically, I'm going to translate it. It basically said, rich dad, poor dad, what the rich tell their kids, but the poor don't. And I was like, oh, that's some scam book. You know, that's a scammy sounding book or whatever. And I was like, forget about it. And then I just kept seeing it. And I was like, all right. So I had some time to kill at my job because at my job, they basically paid me to sit there and do nothing. So I would... Um, read that I would read that book so the first time I ever read Rich Dad and Poor Dad I read it in in Spanish and I had to listen to it again in uh, mm-hmm. English in audiobook format to make sure I understood everything and I did understand everything the first time it just I wanted to make sure and then that's when it really mm-hmm. got started because that's when I understood it, it it was almost like um I'm not ever sure if you ever heard of the allegory of the man in the cave situation or uh, the the, the no, the people in the, uh, the the man in the cave, or the people in the cave. So basically, there's people, three people locked mm-hmm. up in a cave. They're chained up, and all of they know is this dark cave mm-hmm. where they're chained up in the dark cave. And one of them happens to get mm-hmm. free, and they leave outside of that cave. And then there's a whole new world. The bright lights almost blinds them, but then they start to, you know, their vision mm-hmm. gets a little bit clearer. And then eventually, they can actually see. Oh my goodness, this is a whole new world outside this little cave little thing that I was in and then he goes back and tries to go tell everyone the other two in the cave all the things that are out there and then everyone's like ah no you're just crazy you went out there and you just lost your mind you just mm. you're a madman 
And that's kind of how I felt once I read that book. And then I started learning in other things. I started learning about taxes. My mom knew about taxes. That helped me a little bit, but I, I learned a lot of it from other sources. Um, but um, so I just started just learning as much as I could. And, and that's how it felt. I just, I felt like I just had a, a you know, awakening moment, enlightenment moment once I read that book and then started reading a whole bunch of other books. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's so great to kind of equate the personal finance and uh, retire early community to, to that, because I feel like a lot of things that we say or we're harping on people are like, okay, we get it until they finally like start seeing the fruition of it. And they're like, Oh, what was that that you were trying to tell me? It's like, Nope, Nope. (laughs) I'm not giving out any more knowledge anymore. You should have talked to me when I had the time. Now you got to pay me. (laughs) I honestly starting to feel that way because people ask me some very long questions and I'm like, all right, so sit here and ask this question for free for the next hour, 20 minutes. because I want to give a good answer or get paid to do it and now mm-hmm. I'm, you know what I'm saying or I do some other thing that is making actually making me money it's, it's becoming more and more like that but not too much like that yet of course of course of course we're still this is why we have the podcast because we want people to get this knowledge and spread it on to everybody um that they're in touch with in contact with and then you talked a little bit about too in your youtube videos that you um that you were diagnosed with a heart condition at a young age. So how did this diagnosis kind of change your outlook on life, money, and also wealth, wealth building? Cause you had an episode that kind of went into this, but you didn't go um, a little bit further in the money and the wealth building aspect. Uh, well, it, I went through, uh, I guess you could probably say different phases. I think when I first figured out about it, I was kind of like, you know, if you've seen Graham's reaction video, he was kind of like, I would just want to sit there and do absolutely nothing. I wouldn't want to move at all. And that's how I was for like at least the first day, few days, maybe the first week. Mm -hmm. You know, I hate to use the word, but I felt like maybe a little bit depressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hearing a doctor when you're in eighth grade and you had plans playing football and all these things, hearing a doctor say that you could, you know, vomit, pass out and die at any moment is just kind of, it kind of, it can affect you a little bit. But um I think that I've learned to definitely deal with it, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot through humor, a lot through humor. But I also because um, it's just one of those things where I, I'm actually kind of happy about it now because I realize, oh my goodness, like this thing can end at any moment. A lot of people don't even like, you know, 2020 has awakened a lot of people that this thing could end at any moment. But before then, a lot of people don't think about it. Like I think about mm-hmm. it every single day since I've got that diagnosis that I could, this could be the day. Mm-hmm. So part of what that does is it kind of makes, it kind of pushes me to want to get things done. Um, and also it helps me really appreciate the people in my life, people I care about as well, because they could leave at any moment mm-hmm. as well. You know, so I'm, I'm thinking about that a lot. But I guess it just gives me a different attitude towards life, just thinking like I can, it can end. But um, I don't know, because I had a doctor recently tell me that it might have been a misdiagnosis or whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, but I doubt it. It's good that you said that it it changed your outlook because 
you are leaving a legacy. Like you, you are creating a legacy for yourself. And even with, you know, just one or two episodes, but you have so many that you can leave a legacy for years and years and years and years to come. And you're creating such a great legacy. And that's so, so cool to see and, and see that what you have and, and what you've created um, throughout this journey and what you're going to continue to create because you are doing the thing. So that is so awesome. And then you talked a little bit about um, college and you, you called the people with student loans idiots. <laughs> hey, well, I'm one of them. I mean, <laughs> no, so, that, that, that slipped out. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't really feel like uh, they're idiots or I'm an idiot. Well, I, I'm an idiot, but not uh, no, other people. Not. But I would say that it's just, it's really the system that's kind of the problem but mm. i think that partially my fault as well like i mean me being someone back in the day who valued money i was aware of the, of the fact that i was getting into a financial transaction i feel like i should have known better to actually sit down and really try to understand what i was getting into but i just felt like you know i didn't because i never thought that this is one of the ways that the heart condition affected me i never thought that i would live past high school so i never thought that I never really thought about college or what I was going to do after high school because I just never thought that I would live that long. But when I realized I did live that long, I was like, oh, dang, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Um, so I was like, all right, well, most people go to college, so I'm going to go to college. And then, you know, of course, your parents want you to go to college. Uh, well, my dad wanted to go to trade school, but my mom wanted uh, wanted me to go to college. And uh, I figured, you know, that was the, the next thing that you were supposed to do. And that's what I did. And uh, I didn't really think about it the way that I shouldn't, I should have thought about it further. Cause I mean, financially speaking, I would have been able to save money. Saving money was just something that came impulsively to me. So even if I didn't go to college, I probably would have, I mean, when I graduated high school before I bought my car, but when I graduated high school, I had $4,000. Um, and, you know, working a part-time job for $7 an hour, basically. So I, um, I wasn't really, I shouldn't have been as worried about, you know, what I'm going to do financially because I was all right. I'm pretty good at saving money. At the bare minimum, I would have money sitting around, but I didn't uh, do that. I just kind of rushed through everything and just took out a bunch of student loans without thinking about the long-term implications of that. Mm. And I think, you know, when you said it, the system, when you're asking an 18 year, you, you, you won't give an 18 year old a hundred thousand dollars to start a business or buy a house, but you will give it to them for student loans. <laughs> and, and I was and 17 when I graduated. That's 17. A... Um, and some, yeah. So it's like, you know, it, it's not right. And, and yes, you were good with money, but, uh, to make, to make that decision at such a young age is definitely a hard one, right? Um, so when you talked about college, you said you, you went to college and then you came to the realization of, you know, just how much debt that you were in. Um, so at what point did you have this realization and kind of what caused that realization? I don't remember when I realized it, but I knew that I know that eventually I started tracking my net worth. I think the book that caused me to do that is, uh, I think it was the millionaire real estate investor that taught mm -hmm. me about, you know, trying to track my net worth and whatnot every month. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't remember exactly when I started looking at how much debt I had, but I looked at it and I realized I hit $30,000 in debt. And I was like, all right, this is, uh, 
this is not okay. Um, yeah. So I was, and I was like, how am I going to pay this back? And, you know, the millennial money video kind of messed me up. They made it seem like I went from being undecided to being a Spanish degree. Mm. And I was like, that's not what I, I mean. When I was, when we, they were at my house recording the video. I was like all over the place, like blah, blah. blah. And, you know, <laughs> I was like, I don't even know how they're going to edit this nonsense that I'm spitting out. But uh, yeah, I mean, they did a good job of making me not look like that much of an idiot. But I mean, but at the end of the day, that kind of annoyed me because it was just like I didn't just go from undecided to Spanish degree. I went from undecided to I went to Costa Rica, did business. I studied business and then I came back, decided I was going to be, you know, I want to do molecular biology. And I started doing that, but I was like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna have like $50,000 in debt by the time I graduate or 60,000 or 80,000. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna switch over to uh, to uh, Spanish so I can get up out of here quickly. And I was like, yeah, this is, I, can't, I couldn't do it. I just, gotcha. I, I could do it, but I'll be miserable. Yeah, that makes sense. And you said um, one of the books that helped you kind of start tracking your net worth and then understand exactly how much uh, debt you were in was uh, the millionaire uh, real estate investor you said yeah nice okay I believe yeah. that was the book I mean I'm like 52 percent sure gotcha so when you're talking about um, you know traveling and then also kind of making this decision out of high school what advice would you have for someone who is maybe you know, about to graduate or, you know, coming up on their senior year and it's like, I really don't know what to do or I don't know if college is for me. What advice would you have for them? I would uh, say work your way back from the beginning. Mm. So there's a few different advice I would have for them, but I would say work your way from back from the beginning. I mean, from the end, begin with the end in mind is mm. the best way to put it. So if you want a certain, you figure out what you want first. And obviously this is difficult because to figure out what you want part of what that is is figuring out who you are part of figuring out who you are is thinking about you know trying new things and trying all types of different things ideally you should you should be doing this in high school and middle school and elementary school trying all different types of things to really figure out what you want and to figure out who you are but a lot of the times we don't do that we spend a whole bunch of time doing other nonsense that you know kids do and it's fun or whatever you know mm-hmm. but ideally you will be figuring out what you want to do what you're passionate about so that you can you know do that try to figure out that long term mm-hmm. so whatever you want once you figure out what you want after figuring out you know who you are then you should f- figure out art right, so this is the end goal how do i go from there to work from where i'm at now and then you work your way back. So you start with the end in mind and then you set goals from there. All right, so in 10 years, I would need this. In nine years, I would need that. If, and, you know, if five years, I would need that. And then work your way all the way back to, all right, well, that means this month, I need to achieve this. And then you, from there, all right, from this day, I need to achieve that. So you're working your way back from 10, 30, 40 years from now, all the way back to this current moment. You want to be a millionaire by the time you're 30 and you're just graduating college, I mean, our high school, will work your way back from what you need to do right now from where you're at to being a millionaire by the time you're 30. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of how I uh, do that. Mm, that's good. That's such great advice, not even for college or high school graduates, but people in general, like uh, start with the end in mind. All right. And then from there, start to work back and figure out what actually you need to do 
to get to that end goal. That's awesome. That is awesome. Good stuff. So then thinking about starting with the end in mind, um, what did you have a plan after you stopped going to college? Uh, <laughs> um, the first thing that came to my mind was, uh, was, uh, probably not appropriate to say on here. Um, <laughs> after reading, re- I, cause I read a whole bunch of books and by that time I, I've already made like maybe at least a couple thousand dollars and, or at least a hundred, I can't remember exactly. I knew it was at least hundreds of dollars in investing with mm-hmm. a relatively small amount of money. And I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. So I have a small amount of money now. And by the time I left college, I had like $20,000 saved up. Wow. It's so like I was just leaving college. Technically, it was like 18000 but rounding to the nearest whole number. Um, the nearest 10000 or whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> I would enough. say that. Uh, so it wasn't kind of just like I was just like dropping out. I'm like, I have $20,000 right now. I'm working part time. And um, and I would say like most people people in the United States or most are at the bare minimum, most people who are my age do not have $20,000. They probably will never have $20,000. Most people are very bad with money. And if you even try to talk to them about money, they almost want to punch in your teeth. So Mm -hmm. I just feel like, you know, I felt like I could do it no matter what. I feel like being wealthy is not something that I'm worried about because I know I can do that. That's easy. What is hard is finding something that you're passionate about and Mm -hmm. finding a way to make money with that so you can do what you're passionate about for a living. Mm -hmm. And now since I found what I am passionate about, I don't care about degrees. I don't care about, technically I'm in college right now, but I'm probably about to drop out again. Anyway, so (laughs) technically, uh, you know, so I'm not worried about degrees. I'm not worried about any of these other things. I'm worried about finding my passion and find a way to make money with that Mm -hmm. as soon as possible. Mm, that's good. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you went from 4,000 after graduating high school to then having 20,000 before um, dropping out of college? So basically what happened was I, I left, co- well, when I was in high school, I bought a $2,000 car. So um, cash and I, uh, so that left me with $2,000 after that. And after having that $2,000, I went to college and boom, it disappears. And then I went to this cycle of getting $2,000 and losing it, getting $3,000, losing it just because it's college. And then um, after that, in 2017, I was like, all right, forget about it. I'm not going to have less than that $100 ever again. So I started working like crazy. You know, I'm working while I'm in college. I'm working like 30 to 20 hours a week. And um, in then 2018, I start doing Uber and Lyft and I get a raise at my job. Then I quit that job and started going door to door. So I'm going door to door, which is making me more money. And I'm also doing Uber and Lyft. So I just started just saving up thousands of thousands of dollars. And then I go back to school and I'm just like, I'm just sitting in this classroom and I'm just listening to these teachers. And then and it's just so, it's frustrating me just like how just pointless it felt. I mean, I'm not saying college is pointless, but my situation, it felt pointless, especially like the Spanish thing. And and I remember one situation where my I was talking about how um, my teacher was like, what, something about one of your goals or something like that. And I was like, I want to get out the rat race. And the teacher was just like, uh, what does that, what does that mean? Like, you don't want to 
a boring job or what, like, what, what do you mean by rat race? So and I just was just like, I'm learning. They're not going to help me get to where I'm trying to go. Mm-hmm. That end goal that I'm looking at that I have in my head now, th- there's no way that this is going, what I'm doing right now is not going to help me. So right. until I figure out what I want to do, I need to leave college and um, stop racking up debt and then focus on what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I didn't have it perfectly in order of what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to get pretty wealthy. And I figured I figured that I could do that at least wealthier than the average American, um, which the average American is pretty wealthy. I think the average is like in the 400 to 7,000, 400,000 to 700,000 range because of billionaires pushing up the average. But um, I wanted to be wealthier than the average American. And, and I think that I can do that. Yeah. You, you're definitely well on your way. If you can at the, you know, 17, 18, 19, save up $20,000, then there's no doubt that you'll be at that 400 to 700 K figure pretty soon. So another question was um, kind of what did you do immediately after leaving college? So you had this 20 K save, saved up. Did you just like go on a, a vacation to Dubai or how did that go? <laughs> um no no vacation no i um i went to costa rica i went to panama before like not not after i uh, dropped out like in 2015 i went to costa rica i lived there for a few months and i lived in panama uh no i didn't live in panama i went to panama for a little bit and um after that well that's enough vacation and let me go get some of these goals real quick (laughs) and i uh so for me after that, I just worked and read, read books, worked and worked on my YouTube channel. Gotcha. I started my YouTube channel uh, December 10th, 2017, mm-hmm. which I mean, I've been growing terribly slow this entire time. So mm-hmm. that's it. if you guys got anything you guys need to learn is don't quit because I mean, I was, you never know how that pays off. Cause like right. Graham Stephan saw me from back in 2017 when my channel first got, well, I was actually commenting on his channel probably before I started my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. so he saw me from all the way back then and something I was doing three years ago is wow. paying dividends today mm. so I mean this is I digress I, I'm kind of going off topic here that's but okay I, that's just something that I just thought about it's just like mm. you know if anyone's listening like you have to keep pushing through now sometimes you have to quit just because what you're doing is just not intelligent to do mm. or whatever because mm-hmm. I like for example obviously I left college and I'm not saying it was un- intelligent for anyone to go to college but for me it was unintelligent for me to continue going to college Mm -hmm. everyone is different but and you know so sometimes you probably should stop doing something if it's not in your best interest but um for the most part if it's something that you know that you really 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 want just go for it Mm. and you will find dividends being paid long uh, long after that but um Mm. i forgot what i was talking about originally you were talking about your plan after leaving college, but that was oh, good. Yeah. That was good. So I, um, after college, uh, yeah, I just was working, reading books, mm-hmm. working on my YouTube channel and um, learning how to do taxes. That's another thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so I can learn how to do taxes. And um, there's a few different reasons why I wanted to learn how to do taxes. Um, some of which I probably won't get into, but I just was like, I want to learn how to pay zero dollars in taxes. Well, that, let me just say it. Mm-hmm. Everyone was saying how Trump paid nothing in taxes. And <laughs> it's like, you know what? I want to know how I can do it as well. And mm-hmm. everyone told me, you know what, Jerome, you can't do it. You're too poor. Only the billionaires can do that. Mm-hmm. And then 
I've, you know, learned about taxes, became the manager of tax stuff, all these fun things. And I started paying nothing in taxes. This year, I expect to have a negative tax rate, which means the government, uh, both the state and the federal government uh, combined, I'm going to actually receive money net mm-hmm. after all things are considered. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, uh, after seeing that he, uh, that he paid nothing in taxes, I was like, how am I going to pay? I want to pay nothing in taxes. So Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so now I'm paying nothing in taxes. And then everyone said, well, the only reason why you're paying nothing in taxes, Jerome, is because you don't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I was just so confused. I was like, just when I was first learning this and I was saying I wanted to do this, they were saying that it was because I had not enough money that I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Now I'm doing it. And they're saying that, you know, it's because you don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it's just like people have, you know, a bunch of beliefs, limiting beliefs, as they're called. And mm-hmm. it's just like, once you get past those limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. you automatically become an anomaly. It's just like, oh, well, you know, you know, they'll find some other reason why you did it mm-hmm. and that they can't and other people can't do it. And it's just, it's, it's a little bit frustrating, honestly. It's kind of yeah. like that man in the cave story that I talked about earlier. It's like, mm-hmm. you can do it too. Look at all these things out here. Yeah. Like, nah, I'm in this cave. It's cool here. It's interesting because I was just thinking about this actually today and I have this thought often. It's like, people will always find a reason why you did it and they can't. And yes, we have certain privileges. Yes, we, you know, have may have grown up a different way or, you know, may have learned all this knowledge early on in life. But at the end of the day, it's like, this, this is knowledge that has been accessible because look at the podcast or I learned it through reading all of these books. So sometimes people, um, like to discount what the work that actually goes into something with it being um, an anomaly or it being some type of something. Some people definitely do have more privileges than others. I will definitely say that. But I do think that sometimes you have to look at what a person's doing oh, to definitely. get to the point that they are in life. And I think that, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it's frustrating. But <laughs> But it is what it is. Yeah, it's people definitely have significant. Some people have significantly more privilege now. There, if you mm-hmm. are, I don't know, the son of a billionaire, you're probably going to be all right. You know, what yeah, I'm you'll be fine. You're going to have it pretty easy, relatively speaking. You're not going to have. I mean, you're. They. I'm sure they have their struggles too. Being the son of someone who's a billionaire is kind of like how do you find your own purpose? So I'm sure they have some mental things. But as far as like mm-hmm. actual like hard uh struggle that like you know you know that people in poverty have to deal with is just mm-hmm. it's probably it's not the same you know what i'm saying so it's like but you know i would say that i agree with you that a lot of the times when you do something like for example when i first uh started learning languages i put in a lot of hard work into learning spanish and then i learned how to learn languages i learned how to i learned about linguistics and then i learned french and then i learned uh uh, Portuguese and then they said um oh you're just good with languages and I was like <laughs> did you not see all those hours I just put in I just don't understand like you know once you get good at something it just it makes it you you look like you make it seem easy once mm-hmm. you get good at something I got good at learning languages mm-hmm. that's actually a skill not just speaking the language but actually learning how to learn a language is mm-hmm. a skill in and of itself and uh, once you learn how to do that, you learn, it makes it easy to learn all these other languages. 
And it took hours and hours and hours to learn how to do that. I failed Spanish. I was one of the worst in the class. I decided mm-hmm. I wanted to do it. And I started getting 100% on everything ever since then. Mm-hmm. And, but that took hours and hours of work behind the scenes that people mm-hmm. just didn't see. And they said it was, you know, I'm just naturally gifted. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was work. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Don't discount someone's work too, guys. Like, look, look at, you know, they say it takes seven years to make an overnight success. Look at the seven years. Yeah. That reminds me that I just want to throw this out there. Um, a lot of it, I always say, like, look at your advantages and look at your disadvantages. Everyone has advantages and disadvantages. Like, I've seen, I remember seeing this video of someone, like, they were, like, raised in the hood or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, they were just saying how they turned their, the, the experience of living in the hood. They were just describing mm-hmm. the experience in the hood and how they turned that into making millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And then just them, exp- I was like, dang, I wish I was raised. I <laughs> wish I was raised in poverty <laughs> in the hood. Like, you know, that, that experience they got from that, I wish I could have had that because it gave them so much drive and all the other things. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, when someone... Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want that at all. I don't. Want that. But it's just like you know, it's just like when you when someone learns how to make their lemons out of lemonade, you can almost always be like, oh my goodness, I want that. I wish I had. They had that advantage that I didn't have. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just like you can almost look at anything and say to yourself, like, I mean, you can almost look at anybody who's successful. I'm like, oh well, that advantage is something that I didn't have. Like, oh. Maybe if I was raised there, I would have had that. Or maybe I did that. You know, this is always an excuse. The, the main thing that you want to look at is what can I do to reach that goal? That's good. That's good. And speaking of perspective, I feel like on your episode, and Graham even commented on this, of Millennial Money, you have such a great outlook on life and your experiences. So can you talk a little bit about, there was one story that I was like, explain this one so um you talked about living with your girlfriend and then living in your car can you elaborate a little bit more on the story of when was this and then you know how you've taken some of those events that people probably wouldn't have made it out of and actually used them to your advantage to save money you know and build wealth so that's the one that a lot of people are interested in, especially, <laughs> oh, well, girlfriend, you know, it's always interesting. Um, so my girlfriend actually, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, your girlfriend probably kicked you out because you were lame or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. No, I mean, I feel like my, my girlfriend was actually really supportive in that situation. She, mm-hmm. her, because she lived in a college dorm, right? Mm-hmm. So we were living with each other during the summer. She had her own, she was living on like on campus apartments. So she, mm-hmm. we had our own room. We were living together, mm-hmm. but um eventually she moved back into the dorms because the college you know season started and then basically she was living with her roommate like they were actually sharing a room so her roommate probably probably just for privacy reasons didn't want me being there and so I was like and I can understand that my girlfriend was like I don't care about what she wants just stay here anyway and I respected that but I just don't like being in areas around people who don't want me there I know you don't want me there and also it, she's paying for it. I'm not. So, you know, well, actually her, probably her student loans or grants or whatever are paying for, whatever. So she's paying for it somewhere down the line. So I just felt like, you know, although my girlfriend wanted me to stay there, I felt like it wasn't my place to be. And I knew that I only would be, a, it would only be a short while that I would have to be sleeping in my car. So it just, and it was the cheapest option. So I could have stayed with my dad and, um, in Delaware or whatever, but that would have been an 
almost two hour drive. I would have had been working 20, 30 hours a week, then in school. And then I would have to go like basically a two hour drive uh, twice a day. So four hours. And then also I didn't have that type of money just to be spending on gasoline. And then also my car probably would break down, honestly. Yeah. So have like I just that wasn't a good option and then the other option was live with my mom who lived a little bit closer but I just didn't feel like dealing with the drama in the house and that just would have been too much stress dealing with that and then on top of school and then on top of um on top of uh working as well so I just like so I knew it was only going to be about a month or a little bit uh, like you know maybe like just a little bit less than a month so I figured I'd sleep in this car and it was actually really just freeing. It just felt mm. like, you know, you know, ever seen them van life videos? <laughs> yes. It felt, it felt like van life. Like I can understand why people do van life. I could mm. even consider myself doing that in the future because mm. it's just, it just was so freeing. I knew I didn't have any rent to pay. I didn't have any bills. I just, I could go anywhere I want to have my car and my house at the same exact spot. Mm. And it was just like, it just felt like, I felt good. Good. Other than the fact that my window was broken and it was like cold, it would get like like almost to freezing, and it um, at nighttime I would be absolutely just shivering because it'd be cold. But that was wow. all part of the fun. Wow, you said part of the fun. I would be like, uh, uh, we need to get me out of here. Yeah, I mean, wow, it was I would say. So, and then going off of that, how were you able to kind of save to live on your own and also invest? Um, a lot of people who um, you, you mentioned on Millennial Money that you're making about $25,000 a year, a lot of people will say, you know, with that amount of income, I don't have enough to save, uh, let alone invest or let alone live on my own. So how are you able to do that? Well, there's a few different reasons. One thing is that I am... Um... I probably made like an extra a thousand to two thousand dollars from like like just doing taxes for my family members and stuff like that. Probably closer to a thousand. So um, I mean that's only a small amount of extra money that they didn't throw in there. But I had no proof of that, so they didn't want to. They are very thorough. If you don't have proof for it, they're not going to put it in there. Mm. So um, so that um, so that was one thing. And then also another thing is that most people who make twenty five thousand dollars a year mm. have to pay probably a including you know social security medicare state and federal taxes they're probably spending uh maybe 18 to or maybe like 10 percent of their income goes to taxes mm -hmm. or probably closer to 18 honestly so you have a very large percentage me i'm paying zero dollars in taxes i'm paying very little in medicare and uh medicare and uh, social security taxes mm -hmm. just because the way that i make money and i and i'm doing it in a completely legal manner so I'm making $25,000 of basically tax, almost completely tax-free income. Mm. So on the state level, I actually have a negative tax rate. And on the federal level, I have a tax rate of very low. I think I did the math the other day on Instagram and it was like, uh, I had a tax rate of like 0.14 or like including all the taxes that they pay, like mm -hmm. all of them, FICA and federal and state, I had like a tax rate of like 1%. Mm, wow. Interesting. Wow. And how were you able to do that? So is this like no income taxes? So basically, um, because I'm doing Uber and Lyft mm. and one, one, because I'm doing Uber and Lyft um, mm. and also in 2019, another reason why that happened was because I started doing YouTube. So I could, mm. you know, for example, this laptop that I'm, you know, recording this on is 
tax deductible because I, the only reason why I bought this laptop was because of YouTube, literally the only reason. So it was mm. completely tax deductible. I would have had to pay something in taxes if I had didn't have this right here. Another mm. thing is with Uber, a lot of people talk about how terrible it is because your car depreciates in value. Mm. But one thing is that you can take a tax deduction basically for that. And, and there's a lot of tax deductions that you get that you don't get as someone who doesn't have some type of business of sorts. Mm-hmm. So me doing Uber and Lyft helped me lower my income. In 2018, I didn't pay nothing in taxes because my, just my income was re- like really, really low because I was still in college for mm-hmm. most of that year. So that's how 2018, uh, but in 2019, I was pretty much working full time. And mm-hmm. that's just, you know, just solid tax planning over the course of that year. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, so I'm not paying a lot in taxes. I'm investing the money that I'm making. And when I'm investing the money that I'm making, uh, it's making me money and before, even before the stock market crashed and then, you know, I bought the dip and then it went back up mm-hmm. uh, in 2019, I've had, I made thousands of dollars in the stock market. So a lot of people were saying to me, I saw a lot of comments saying it's impossible for him to have that type of money, but they didn't get, they discounted the fact that if you, they didn't include making thousands of dollars in the stock market inside my income, mm-hmm. because that's not part of my income. I didn't sell those stocks. So it's just, mm-hmm. I, they're just capital gains that I haven't paid taxes on yet. So Gotcha. That's good. And so where would you, you know, there are a lot of legal loopholes (laughs) that people can get themselves into um, in regards to taxes. So I'm just curious if for people who want to learn more about the tax code, exactly what these loopholes are, where would you recommend that they start? See, with taxes, there are YouTube videos out there about taxes, stuff like that. But I would say that there's there's not a lot. Uh, I think that, honestly, the best way, and not, a lot of people are not going to like this, but you're just going to have to read the tax law, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that could be boring for a lot of people. But I think that's literally the best way, other than perhaps like kind of getting your feet wet and kind of doing taxes. But if you really want to understand the tax law, like actually get a good understanding watch some YouTube videos and, and read, read. I, I honestly, I, I say you watch YouTube videos and that can definitely help a lot. But if you want to get like, if you want to be very knowledgeable and knowledgeable enough to legally, because you could do it illegally easily, but mm-hmm. to legally pay nothing in taxes or paying very, very low taxes, then you need to um, read a lot of tax law. Now, granted, sure. I mean, I could get a letter from the IRS tomorrow saying like, listen, we kind of disagree with you. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them my point. They would tell them their point. They would tell me their point. And we'll, if we need to go to court, then we'll go to court for it. But um, you'll duke it out say, in the courtroom. <laughs> exactly. A lot of people don't realize that like the mm-hmm. IRS doesn't have the end say. If mm-hmm. you disagree with IRS and they, then you can discuss that matter. And it might go in your favor, or you could actually go to tax court and fight the IRS. And the tax court sometimes does not agree with the IRS. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. options there, but that's expensive. But um, yeah. it's usually best to avoid that if you can. So I would say YouTube videos and books. Um, and also, if you don't want to spend money on books, there's IRS webpage. You just go to irs.gov slash publications. I think mm-hmm. that should take you to the website where... They just have a list of different tax topics and they have mm-hmm. little booklets that you can read. Some of them are not very little, but you mm-hmm. have little booklets that you can read and they're free and you can get substantial amount of knowledge about tax law doing that. And if you speak Spanish, they got the Spanish ones there too. So I don't mm-hmm. want to hear that you don't speak 
English. I don't know why you're listening to this if you don't speak English, but <laughs> you might read, you know, you might read and comprehend better in Spanish. So exactly. There you go. Yeah. So you have all the types of options that you got out there. So yeah. I don't think they got like French and Chinese, but I mean, they got options. Yeah, that's good. And so going off of that, where should someone start when they're trying to build wealth, maybe off of a lower income? <clears throat> Hmm. That's, uh, I would say, first off, I think a lot of people say, oh, well, if you start with your, you know, if you have a low income, you need to try to figure out how to raise your income. That's mm-hmm. the first thing you need to do. That's what a lot of people will tell you. Mm-hmm. I think that that's wrong. I think that the fastest way that mm-hmm. you can uh, start bettering your financial situation and building wealth with a low income is figure out where you're wasting money. Mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee you, even myself, as frugal as I claim to be, have places where I'm wasting money. I can tell you where mine's is at. Mine's is food. I spend too much money on food. I'm hungry all the time, but I'm spending <laughs> whole time on food. I don't understand it at all. But for you, it might be something different. Maybe it's clothes. Maybe it's mm-hmm. uh, buying the new iPhone every chance you get. But, Chick-fil-A. So, it's Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A for me. They- Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Food for you too. It's just like food mm. is phenomenal. I, just, <laughs> I wish I could just eat food all the day and... Uh, and work out so I don't get too out of shape. I mean, but yeah, so I would say everyone has their little thing they're overspending on. If you're a low income person, just forget about all of these extra fun situations. Oh, but Jerome, what about life? I want to have fun. I don't, you know, people always say that, you know, there's more to life than money. All right, well, just get yourself out of this situation, get yourself a little bit comfortable. And the, Mm -hmm. the more you grow, the more you can treat yourself. So I'm not as concerned about me overspending on money I'm not, you know, mm. once a, I'm still eating once a day just because, you know, I'm, I'm just working so much now, but I'm doing it mm. for a different reason. I'm not mm. doing it to save money. I'm doing it to save time now. But basically what I'm saying is that person can just slowly start treating themselves over time. You don't need to mm. be, you know, having all types of fun when you're trying to build wealth. Just build a little bit. And once you get, you know, a couple of thousands of dollars, maybe you can increase your some of your food expenses or some of your clothes expenses just a little bit over time. That's called lifestyle creep for the record. Mm-hmm. And you and everyone does it as their wealth starts to build. They start to creep up just a little bit on certain things. Mm-hmm. And you can do that. So it's not just like you have to throw your life away forever. But mm-hmm. when you're first starting, just start find eliminating all unnecessary expenses. And what you'll find is a lot of these expenses are not as, you know, big in your life as you thought they were. Once you eliminate them, you're just like, oh, I actually didn't really need that that much. Yeah. It doesn't change the quality of your lifestyle. You could probably, most people could probably save an extra $500 a month and mm-hmm. not have that much change in their quality of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And they probably wouldn't even much recognize the difference in their quality of lifestyle. Now you have $500. Now you do that out for the entire year. That's about, what is that? $6,000 if we did the math mm-hmm. in my head correctly. I feel like saving money is probably one of the easiest things to do and just decrease your expenses. And then from there, figure out how to make more money. And I mean, when you have kids, what I'm about to say is going to be a little bit more difficult, but mm-hmm. what I would say is put more hours in. If you don't have any kids, to then, then you can probably work more hours. So if you're working mm-hmm. 40 hours, then work 60 hours or 80 mm-hmm. hours. Oh my goodness, but Jerome, what about life? Okay, you can have, a, if you want to build wealth with a low income, you're going to have to make sacrifices. It's just, it's just mm. that simple. Yeah, Either that's good. If you don't want to make sacrifices, then go get a higher income. Mm, that's, that's good. That you have. So if you're going to make a low income, 
put more hours in, save that money, stack it up, start investing some of it. You don't want to just throw it all in the market and you don't know what you're doing. You don't want to just throw it all in real estate if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You want to learn about investing as well. From there, once you start having enough wealth, once you start, I mean, lowering your expenses, the next thing you need to be focusing on is how to increase your income. That once you get your expenses to a certain point, there's not much you can do. Like I could lower my expenses. Some of my expenses are business expenses that I'm not going to lower. Some of my mm-hmm. expenses are education expenses because I spend a lot of money on books. I'm not going to lower those either. But what I would say is most of my expenses, as far as like food and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I could lower it. But I mean, for most part, I can't really lower my expenses anymore. At this mm-hmm. point, I need to increase my income. Right. And at some point, once you lower your expenses to a certain point, you're not going to be able to lower it much more, mm-hmm. increase your income from that point. You should mm-hmm. probably at the same time because you have a lot of time in a day mm. but instead of sitting around watching netflix or sitting around watching you uh youtube or whatever unless you're watching my channel of course <laughs> <laughs> or listening to banks and commentary that's another there you exception. go unless you're listening to one of us <laughs> then honestly you really don't need to be spending a lot of time on nonsense now the thing i like about youtube and podcasts honestly is that you can actually use them for educational purposes mm-hmm. but a lot of people will spend three, four hours on their cell phone on Instagram or TikTok or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And that same three hours could be spent working or learning something that can help you produce income. The mm-hmm. easiest thing, like for example, learn how to code something. Mm-hmm. A lot of jobs will take you if you know stuff about computers, if you don't even have a uh if you don't even have a degree. Mm-hmm. So now you get a job I was talking to a lady, I was doing Uber. That's one thing I love about Uber. You meet all types of people. Mm-hmm. This lady uh, went from, she, you know, she lived in a somewhat rough area because I knew because mm-hmm. I picked her up from her house and mm-hmm. she just was talking to me how she just got a job making uh, $25 an hour. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. going to, you know, retire in a year off of that, obviously, but mm-hmm. I would say she was making $25 an hour because she went to some coding boot camp or something like that. They paid for it for her or something like that. And now she has a job making uh, a pretty good amount of money per year and all without a degree. And I'm not saying you should not try to get a degree. I'm just saying that you should try to increase your income and there's not having a degree is not an excuse. Mm. Yeah. So for those of y'all listening, episode four of Banks and Commentary actually talks about someone who actually taught themselves how to code and develop and was able to then flip their salary to six figures. So, and so there are options, right? And for anyone who is kind of on a lower income or, you know, don't really think college is right for them, explore those options, especially now in this day and age, there are so many things that you can do without a degree that are also high paying. Most of them, I will say, are geared toward technology um, because that's the age that we're in. But take a look at those. Maybe something will interest you and, you know, you can really start to change your position based on that. Yeah. So that's so good. So good. Such good stuff. And another thing is, I just want to throw this out there. Um, also, another option to increase your income is going to college. So that's, mm. I'm not saying don't go to college. Once again, I don't want to make that clear. One way you can pay for your college for free, because a lot of people don't know about this. Mm. And this is the kind of the program that I'm in that I'm probably about to drop out of because I just want to focus on what I want to focus on. Mm. But um, is Uber pays for college for you. You can get mm. free college through Uber. If you get 3,000 rides, now you got to think about this. Yeah, you have to get 3,000 rides, but you're making money while you're working towards mm. getting free college. 
So it's not like you're just working for free. You're, you're making money while you're working towards free college. Now you're getting free college uh, on top of that. And you probably get some tax deductions from that as well. Some tax credits like the lifetime learners credit or uh, some other tax credits uh, like the American uh, opportunity tax credit, depending on your situation. So now you have your work that you're making money. And then from there, you get a free degree. And then from there, you're making money with that free degree. And now you've increased your income mm. all from doing a job, you know, 3000 rides, which you could probably, if you want to grind hard, you could do that in probably a year or less. Wow. Wow. And what does grinding hard look like? So how many hours a day do you think you'd have to put in for that? That particular, um, that particular goal for uh, mm-hmm. 2000 with Uber, ah, that's hard to say off the top of my head. Um, I would say, um, um, I would just to be safe, I would say just put 60 hours in. Yeah. Wow. Me personally, I think that if you are someone with a low income and you're trying to get yourself out of that situation, and this is just me, I'm not saying that this is ever for everybody, but I'm saying you probably should be putting 60 to 80 hours a week in. Uh, minimum. Wow. Wow. That's good. Good to, to know. And that you, you got that. So another question for you is that I know from watching your YouTube videos that you currently save about 40% of your income. So we were talking a little bit about sacrifices before. So what are some sacrifices that you currently are making? And we know the sacrifices that you've made before living in your car was a big one um, just to save so much money. Well, honestly, that's the, I'm actually making a sacrifice, but not necessarily to save money, but to Mm. not save money. Mm. So I'm sacrificing that 40% saving to 50% savings rate in order to spend less time making money well, spend less time doing Uber and Lyft, which is my main source of income, mm-hmm. to focus on, for example, um, my YouTube channels, my, mm-hmm. um, and then also during tax season, I'm going to start trying. This is my first year doing taxes completely independent. So I'm going to try to grow that. I'm going to try to start small. Next mm-hmm. year, probably be more prepared for it. Because I kind of recently just decided this, so I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for it. But mm-hmm. I'm going to prepare for this tax business. So I'm actually sacrificing income right now, and I'm sacrificing mm-hmm. some savings to do that. So um, I am still making a sacrifice, but I'm instead of sacrificing to save money, I'm sacrificing to make money. Mm, that makes long-term. sense. Yeah. I mean, you do, you know, you have to put some time out, you have to put some money out. Like you said, you bought your, your laptop for YouTube and things like that, just to, you know, make it to the next level. And I think that's something too, that we really don't talk about a lot with the personal finance journey is trading your uh, time for money. And it's like, sometimes you have to outsource things. Sometimes you have to do less and it might be like a little bit of a pinch in that moment, but then that's going to help you get to the next point in life. Like right now I'm spending my time making podcasts, but hopefully, you know, with my podcast, it can also help people, but also be another source of income for me at some point. So, um, I'm curious about a couple more questions. You not only save, but you invest as well. So kind Kind of what vehicles do you have your investments in and um, what percentage uh, do you currently invest? So I max out my Roth IRA every year, which is $6,000. Mm-hmm. So that gives you an idea of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then also I usually put some in my retirement account. When the stock market crashed last year in 2020 in March, mm. I don't remember how much I put in there, but I probably put like 4,000 and then I maxed out my IRA. So that's probably like $10,000, mm. uh, maybe a little bit more invested in 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, 2020 and uh, 2019, I can't remember, probably mm-hmm. somewhere thereabouts. And so I would say uh, as far as what I invest in, I'm actually making a video about this soon, but um, I would, so you guys are getting this inside scoop. So I would <laughs> say I invest in, well, there's the two thing, main things I invest in. I invest in individual securities or basically mm-hmm. like stocks, bonds, mm-hmm. uh, real estate investment trust or whatever, depending on the situation. So little stuff like that, stuff that you can buy on the New York Stock Exchange and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I invest in is in what they call ETFs or exchange traded funds, mm-hmm. which are basically like index funds that, you know, they buy a whole bunch of different basket of, basket of stocks. Mm-hmm. And basically it's supposed to be the more conservative way about going investing. Basically, what you're doing is you're trying to not beat the market, but get the market averages because mm-hmm. they say it's impossible to beat the market. Mm-hmm. Me being the defiant person that I am, <laughs> I can't do one or the other. Like, I'm just like, mm-hmm. I, I need to do the passive way because, I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't want to, you know, that's the logic is just very, very sound and the statistics mm-hmm. are undeniable. Mm-hmm. So I do it that way. But then the other half, I do... Um, I do I invest in individual stocks and I'm trying to research stocks and do all these things. I don't recommend most people do that just because I feel like most people are not going to actually put the time in. And most people attracted to very risky ways of investing, like day trading, swing trading, and all these things that you are options trading. And all these things can make you a lot of money, but they're also very likely to lose you a lot of money. The way that I invest, you you might not, you know, beat the market averages, the stock market averages, but you are um, not very likely to lose money and you're probably going to make money. So um, I would say I, 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 at the beginning of the year, I probably had about half and half, like I maybe had about half of my money in individual like stocks and stuff like that. And then I had about other half in like kind of passive index funds and stuff like that. Um, Basically, what happened was my stock investment portfolio did significantly better than the other one. So now I have a very a larger percentage in in there. So what advice would you have for newbies who want to get um, started investing in the stock market? I would say learn. I would. Mm-hmm. So first thing, I, yeah, first thing is to learn. Uh, there's a thing on uh, YouTube called Bill Ackman. His name is Bill Ackman. And it's mm-hmm. big think. And if you look up that video, it's about 40 minutes. Uh, if you don't want to watch this 40 minute video, then because it's too long, you probably shouldn't be investing in stocks anyway. <laughs> oh but, my God. Um, oh my God. You just give it to everybody straight, huh? That's fine. You just say it how it is. You called people stupid in the beginning. You told people that they, that was an they need to be working more. And now you're saying if you can't watch a 40 minute video, poor ADHD. ADHD people have no hey, hope. A, oh, maybe I'm getting too mean. All right, all right. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna turn it down a, a notch. It's all right, turn you it, know. Turn it mean down. Cool. <laughs> no, but I'm but I would say that it's a it's a it's a very informative video, it has little pictures and all that. It's a nice video. And then there's also a book that I think that people should read called Comments, um, The Little Book of Common Sense Investing mm. by John Bogle. Mm-hmm. 
and this book will give you an idea of what index investing is and mm-hmm. past investing. And this is probably the best route for most people to go. It's the safest route. And as far as investing in the stock market, and is probably the route that is least likely to lose you money if you, in, you follow that strategy mm-hmm. over the long time, term. And it's probably more likely to give you better results than the other re- methods that people are going to talk about. Okay. Those two videos. If you do want to buy individual stocks, I would say there's a book that I personally like. There's other books that are probably better, but this book is very good for beginners. I would call it's called Fundamental Analysis for Dummies. Mm-hmm. And that book is it's a very short book. I think they might have it in audio book format. Actually, I don't think they do, but I think this is a very good book for learning about stock investing. If you're gonna buy individual stocks and you don't like to read, then I would say once again, <laughs> you probably shouldn't be investing in individual stocks if you don't That's like to real. Read. That's real. That's real. That's real. So I would say that don't even, if it, even if there is an audiobook, don't read, mm-hmm. listen to the audiobook, read the book because you need to get used to reading a lot if you want to do that. And I'm not practicing what I preach here. I'm just going to say off the back, I don't read nearly as much as far as stock research as much as, a, as, as I should. Mm-hmm. But before I buy a stock, I do a substantial amount of research. I spend hours looking into the stock, some of their competitors, and I don't buy unless it's pretty obvious that this company is trading at less than what I think it's worth. That's good. Um, so now we're going to close out the show with the last two questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show. But before I do that, did you have anything that you wanted to let the people know? Yes. Tell everyone about this lady's podcast and try to convince her to uh, get on YouTube. So I can subscribe <laughs> to her. Yeah. Yeah, because you be commenting on Grimm's. All I need is for Grimm to see this podcast or to see a YouTube video. (laughs) Nice, nice. Um, The other thing that I am curious about, the last two questions are, what's the best piece of financial advice that you never received? The power of investing. Mm, That's good. The power of investing. My idea of wealth was having a huge vault filled with cash not realizing that most wealthy people actually don't have as much cash as they have other types of investment stocks, real estate, uh, private businesses, public businesses, stuff like that. So for me, like, for example, I always think about this story where my teacher in high school said he had a million dollars worth of real estate in, in, in New York. And I was like, why don't you just sell the, why, why held the real estate? Like just sell the real estate and get the cash. Why do you want the real estate for? I didn't have any financial education. I just knew save money, stack cash so i didn't have so if he would have explained it because he just wanted to boat uh boast about how much money he had and how much mm-hmm. money he had in real estate and stuff like that but he mm-hmm. didn't actually sit you he could have used that time to educate us right mm-hmm. there he didn't mm-hmm. so <clears throat> i don't know if he was actually telling the truth or not but i'm assuming yes mm-hmm. is pretending that he was mm-hmm. and so i mean that's just one but also just you know if i would have understood if i would have got introduced into what investing is and why it's so important when I was in elementary school and mm-hmm. I would be a millionaire right now for sure oh, multi-millionaire yeah. right now just because I was obsessed with wealth accumulation but a healthy obsession let's say mm-hmm. that people would disagree with that my family yeah. probably <laughs> that's good that's good and then so what's next for you I know that on one of your episodes you talked about goals I know that on one of your um one of your uh, uploads, you talked about, you know, making sure that you double, you know, you 
increase your income. I think it was by like 118% to make it to a million dollars by 30. Oh, you actually watch my YouTube channel. I did. Right? I have to do the research. Yeah. Um, just... So what are some goals for you? Um, well, the goals, some of the goals you just mentioned there. Um, my goal uh, is I have three YouTube channels, technically. Mm-hmm. One is a uh, Black Vito Moneyology. One, the other one is Black Vito Unfiltered. And the other one is Black Vito Dinerologia. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get all three. Well, one of them is already monetized. I want to get the other two monetized. Mm-hmm. And I would like to get 100,000 subscribers on at least one of them. But thank you so much for being on. This has been no such, I felt like I'm catching up with an old friend. This has been such a great episode. Hey, no problem. All right, y'all, that was such a great episode. And I feel like I was catching up with an old friend. So per usual, you know, I got them top 10 tips for you all. All right, so the first is be okay with people not understanding what you're trying to accomplish. The second is live in the present moment and live every day to the fullest. Get things done. The third is when you're considering student loans, take the time to understand what you're getting into. It is a financial transaction. The fourth is you've heard it before, but don't be afraid to course correct if necessary. The fifth is begin with the end in mind. Figure out what you want after first figuring out who you are. The sixth is have a cushion before taking a major leap. The seventh is if you're passionate about something, don't quit because you never know how things will pay off. The eighth is look at your advantages and disadvantages and work your advantages. The ninth is learn about the tax code as you're earning and consult a professional. The tenth is figure out where you're wasting money and cut those things down a little and then figure out how to increase your income if you are living on a lower salary. That's it for y'all today. Remember, we are saving, investing, paying off debt, and living our best lives over here. I don't know what y'all doing, but get with the money train. All right, let's go ahead and close it out for today. Have a good one.